and we are live with this week's edition of the All Gas No Break Sports Show, part number two, as we look into this week's NFL Week 2 season. I am Nicholas Pavona, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson, and Andrew, Week 2 certainly brought a lot of interesting finishes in the National Football League, a big-time comeback from a team that we know a lot. We saw a couple big injuries as well this week, and that could really loom large into some of these teams' destiny throughout the rest of the season. But a lot has gone on in week number two, and <laughs> I don't know, man. There's a lot of – kind of like what we did with college football. We talked about a lot of uncertainty in college football. Seems to be a lot of uncertainty in the world of the NFL where a lot of these teams haven't looked good. There's kind of maybe just two teams that have been dominant so far throughout their first two games – yeah, especially and, when you rig the games. Well, well, what what I say? What? No, yeah, Roger, yeah, Goodell, yeah. R- R- Roger Goodell wins games and he hates football. Hey, what? Listen, I, that, I, I was rooted. I love that lateral play, and we'll talk about that. But I love that lateral play. It should have. It should have counted. It was awful, but that's besides the point. All right, let's uh, let me yeah. get disgusted and let's start this week's uh, week's games. You want to start us off, Nick? Yeah, we will start it off with this past Thursday night's game between the Minnesota Vikings taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. And this was a game of a couple things. Uh, uh, the Vikings had a lot of turnover issues in the first half, most of them coming off of fumbles. Kirk Cousins didn't throw an interception, which is nice to see. But the biggest fumble being the Justin Jefferson fumble just before the goal. He, you know, he crossed the play and you know, got into the end zone, which would have given the Vikings, I believe at the time, the lead. Um, yes, it would have given Probably wins in the game. It probably, and if you look at the final score of this game, it definitely could have won that in the game. So the, a, a big fumble there. Um, on the other side, the Eagles, big reason why they win the game, their rushing attack was unbelievable in this one. DeAndre Swift looked like the guy that we saw out of Georgia when he got drafted. 28 carries for 175 yards and a touchdown. Jalen Hurts also ran in for two scores as well. Eagles hang on to win this one 34-28. Um, a lot of dumb pack in this one. Kirk Cousins looked great. He had 364 yards and four touchdowns. Justin Jefferson had 159 yards. Um, did have that big fumble, though, unfortunately. Vikings were not able to run the ball. The Eagles were most certainly able to run the ball. But I don't know. It's weird. The Vikings are 0-2. Been a rough start of the year for them. And for the Eagles, they are 2-0. They still haven't looked that great in these two games that they've played. But their running game and Devonta Smith, who had 131 yards receiving, they were the biggest bright spots in this one for them as they now go into the Week 3 primetime matchup with Tampa Bay. Yeah, the Eagles have not impressed me. I don't care what anyone says. They do not look like a good football team right now. Right. You barely, you, you, pretty much, if it doesn't rain so heavy in the Patriots game, you lose that game. And if the Vikings don't beat themselves just like they did this past week, they lose this game. The Eagles are pretty much two possessions away from being an all-in-two football team. They right. really run, remind me like last year's Vikings. That's crazy. That's crazy to say, but yeah, and it's kind I of mean, yeah. I mean, so far, I mean, listen, it's only week two. A lot can change next, but for right. the, through the first two weeks, they remind me as last year's Vikings. That's what they remind me as. And it's kind of ironic, sir. What's happened with the Vikings? They won all those one possession games last year, and they've had now two straight one possession losses to start this season off. So it's been a rough start to the year for the Vikings, but thankfully they weren't the only NFC North team to lose this week. So. They don't really, they don't, you know, they're not going to be the, um, i trying to think of the exact word, the punching bag this week in that division, but a bit of a, an unfortunate start for them as they now 
go into their game next week against the Chargers. They have a, and that's a really big game because it's Someone's tough going to, home 0-3. Someone's right. getting fired at the end of that and game. And it's tough to make the playoffs starting the year 0-2, but now make start trying to make the playoffs starting 0-3, that looms large on a team throughout the rest of the season. So both those teams need to win this upcoming week. We'll talk a little bit more about that game as we get a little bit later on in the show. But I spoke about the Vikings were a team that lost, but not the only team in the NFC North that lost this week. How about the team that had a big time win in week number one in the Detroit Lions? That's a huge win they had in week one against the Chiefs. But unfortunately for them, they fell here in week number two against the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks winning this one by final 37-31 in overtime. There was a controversial holding call that wasn't called on the Seahawks that led to the Tyrell Lockett touchdown to win the game in overtime. But this is a fun game to watch overall. A lot of points, kind of similar to what they did last season in their matchup against each other. Um, David Montgomery got injured in this game, so might be seeing a lot more of Jameer Gibbs as, as the next couple of weeks go on. Jared Goff had three touchdowns, did throw a costly pick six. Amon Ra looked really good. But I will say, though, Andrew, this is the only problem I've had with the Lions and them being a top-tier team in the NFC. Their defense isn't as strong as they, a lot of people would hope to be. And I think you saw it in this game. They really struggled to stop the, the Seahawks' passing attack. And if that continues to be an issue for them – as season goes on, I don't really see a scenario which they can get to being in, you know, in the later part of the year, being in the championship game or being in getting to that first ever Super Bowl. They got lucky in week one against the Chiefs due to the amount of drops and interceptions and penalties that the Chiefs had that cost them that game. And they were very fortunate enough to get the way with the win. But week two, you saw they had a lot of issues and they need to fix those issues going into their next game. Because it's not an easy game they got coming up this week. They're facing the Atlanta Falcons, who started in the year up 2-0. And on the other side for Seattle, big-time rebounce-back win for them. Obviously, they lost in week one to the Rams. They bounced back here in week number two. Get things, you know, it kind of looked like the team that we saw last season for most of the part of the year for Seattle. So now, good job by them. And now they got, I believe they're playing Carolina this week. So a chance for them to go 2-1 and in the young year. So, being that as it may, we saw how the Seahawks did in that game. The Lions will need to fix their defensive issues, but they're not the only team, I think, also, that needs to fix their defensive issues. And I know you could speak a lot more about this. How about Cincinnati? 0-2 start for the Bengals. I mean, here's the thing. Again. Let's get this this out of the way. Let's get this out of the way. The same thing happened last year. Right. And they were fine. But, I don't care what anyone says. Oh, an all two team. You know, they've ever started all two and made the super, uh, made the playoffs after yada, yada, yada. Right. Before we break down this game and pronounce the death of Cincinnati, let's take a look at their schedule for the next upcoming games. Um, it's playing the Rams, which I think they should win against the Rams. They're hosting them. They're playing at Tennessee, that game. at the Cardinals. They're hosting the Seahawks. So I think realistically they could be four and two by the end of, uh, by the end of week seven because they got a bye week. You got to point out the big factor for this game of coming. They might not have Joe Burrow playing, and that's big. If you don't have Joe Burrow playing, the Bengals have no chance of winning. Let's just right. say he does. He, he does have a calf injury. I know he's uncertain for week three. Uh, 
which is why you know we're calling the game right now. It's fist. He's saying it's pretty sore. Um, but you and know, there's the still a lot of time. I don't know if I, I don't know if I play him this week. They could put him in a cryogenic chamber between now and Sunday. He's got a he's got six days well, or Monday. five days. Monday night football. Even better, he's got an extra day to prepare. Right. So to me, he tweaked it a little bit. Um, if he could walk, he can play. So reevaluate on Saturday. That's all I'm gonna say. All but right. let's go into this game. Yeah. Um Let's go into this game. Cincinnati, you know, they, the special teams looked really good. Yeah. Evan McPherson looked good. They had a return touchdown. Yep, Charlie Jones, former Purdue Boilermaker. I know you like to point that out a lot. Mm-hmm. Returned a touchdown for a punt. Yeah, and it looked like it was a special teams off for the first half. And then, oh, man, that's when Lamar decided, okay, I'm going to wake up now. He threw a couple touchdowns to his big target, Mark Andrews. And I feel like that was kind of a straw that broke the camel's back. Because I know they were kind of going neck and neck. And I know they were down by... Uh, a field goal already, but I think when they actually mentally got to that 10 point mark, that's when it kind of, I think that's when it came off of them. Well, here's why I say last year's scenario was different for the Bengals in this year's scenario where they started on two again. At least when you saw last year's team, you saw glimpses of hope on the offensive side of the ball. I think it's different this time around because Burrow now is hurt. Jamar Chase has not done anything throughout the first two games. And that's very worrying. They haven't been able to run the ball. Um, and on the defensive side of the ball, they had they you know they had their guys like Jesse Bates and Von Bell, the two top safeties. Those guys are not here this season. They left in the offseason. And that's really hurting their secondary. And Lamar was able to take advantage of that. He had a nice game efficiently as well. And he wasn't pressured. He didn't even get sacked in this game. So there's a lot of things going wrong for the Bengals. That what and which why I say I think this 0-2 start is even more worrying than their own to start last season because you knew that the Bengals could fix their issues. Burrow was fully healthy. That's fine. He's not healthy right now. And I think that goes into a fact of maybe they rushed him back too quickly from that calf injury. And now they have to assess and try to avoid further damage because you just paid him all this money before the season, or I should say during the season kickoff, they gave him that big time contract extension. And now he is that franchise guy, and you need to make sure that you keep him healthy throughout his tenure. And so far, week one went poorly against the Browns. They really started slow against the Ravens in this one, the first half. Kind of got a little bit going in the second half. We saw T. Higgins have a way better game number two. He had two touchdowns. But I don't know, man. If Burrow can't play, the Bengals really don't have any chance of winning – these games that we say are easy should be easy wins for them on paper, they're not going to have any chance with Jake Browning as their as their starting quarterback. Never say never, but I'm not going to count them out yet. Uh, let's I go guess. on to the next game. Let's talk about the uh, the offensive showdown that was Chiefs uh, versus Jags. Um, remember then that Fanduel for those who don't know, uh, if every team had hit a field goal uh, during I think the one o'clock and four o'clock games. They were going to give a pretty much a hundred to one or a two hundred to one payout, right? And it hit. It but the hit. game that struggled in it it was would would it be this game? Like, do you want to say it was this game? Uh, this was the game that was questionable. No, because Brandon McManus had all the Jaguars points. So as long as someone hits it, it's just obviously the Chiefs need to hit one, and that that's all was good. 
but it it took up until the fourth quarter to do it. So I I guess you could I guess you could say that. But yeah, let me uh, let's talk about this. Trevor Lawrence didn't look great, and Patrick Mahomes he certainly didn't look great. Patrick Mahomes has looked mortal these last two games. Um, dare I say it that he's not Tom Brady? So we could stop those narratives now. Can we please stop because McD- because Tom Brady? I think was his Patrick Mahomes year five or year six. Uh, he was the twenty eight, no twenty seventeen draft, right? Yeah, twenty seventeen draft. So this is his sixth year in the league, right? I believe so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it should be a sixth year. So Tom Brady in year six, uh, that was what two thousand and six. Was that oh six? He was drafted in two thousand, right? Yes. So yeah. So he didn't have Randy Moss yet, right? No, Randy Moss was oh seven. Yeah. So pretty much. Tom Brady was playing with Fry Cooks in 2005 and 2006. Fry Cooks. Like, let's be real. He, were, he was playing with McDonald's cashiers. Um, and for the time, remember, this is going back 17, 18 years ago now. For the time, his stats were very good. I, you know what? His, I think his number one receiver might have been Troy Brown. Maybe. And if Troy, I think... Anyone on the current Chiefs is better than Troy Brown. Is that is that fair? Well, Travis Kelsey especially. Oh yeah, obviously he's one of the top. He's probably one of the top, the top tight, tight ends end. of all time. He's probably top yeah. five all time at tight end with Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, Gronk, etc. But uh, Patrick Mahomes has he's got to learn to do it with these receivers. I realize he doesn't have a lot of help, so I can't blame him in that respect. But he's got to learn to do it because his game is stats over the last two games he looks like an average quarterback he looks like he looks like he's a run-of-the-mill guy it's good it's gonna take time some of these teams have a little great the first two weeks offensively because you're still you're still trying remember you lost the preseason game and that takes a that you know kind of matters in the sense of you have that's an extra game or extra week of where you can make you know figure out what certain plays work and what players are good and can help your team win games the Chiefs have to still figure that out as the season goes on. I will say this looked a little bit more encouraging than what happened against Detroit, even though they didn't look like it. On the- uh, I don't know about that. I no, think it kind of looked worse. No, no. Here's why. No, here's why I say that. In Detroit against Detroit, you had all those drops, and you didn't have Kelsey. Well, it's just because of Kadarius Tony, right? But even Sky Moore, the same thing happened with him. He had a couple drops too, and they couldn't run the ball. I got I got a little I I say it got I got a little bit better because Pacheco was able to get seventy yards rushing, so that's a good step at least. Um, Sky Moore had three catches for seventy yards and a touchdown. That's a big step. At least it's better, definitely better than we did in week number one. You got Kelsey back. He got a touchdown in his return. Kadarius Tony at least didn't drop the ball this week. He had five catches. So I wouldn't say it's a big step up from what they did against Detroit. I'd say it's a small improvement from what they did against the Lions of week number one. But for me in this game, this is really on Jacksonville in the sense of they should have won the game, but their red zone offense was so poor. I think they had seven passing attempts in the red zone and they did not complete a single pass. And I think that's a testament also to the Chiefs defense who has played really strong the first two weeks of the season against two really solid offenses in both Detroit and Jacksonville. Um, I know Christian Kirk had a monster game, but look at the rest of the Jaguars' receiving core. Calvin Ridley got held to two catches. Zay Jones had a bunch of opportunities to make a touchdown grab. Was not able to have one. 
Didn't even have a catch for the game. He had six targets. And the next leading receiver was Evan Ingram with 57 yards. So the Chiefs have done what they need to do to hold these offenses from getting into the end zone so far. Because think about it, the only, they've only allowed one touchdown so far. The other touchdown they allowed was that pick six to Brian Branch. So if you're the Chiefs, you have to say to yourself, listen, the offense has been bad, but our defense has looked really good. And now they're playing the Bears this week. So I'm sure whatever offensive issues they're currently having will probably be fixed in this upcoming week because this is a good litmus test to see can we be better offensively as the season goes on against a really poor Bears defense so far in the season. I mean, that's a great question. Um, Jeez. I actually don't know what to say about that. Um, it's tough, you, right? Because I, I think, I think if you, if they get everything going right against the Bears, and this is a scary team, because then you got the offense finally getting back into a groove, and then your defense has looked really good. You got Chris Jones back on a contract extension, so now your defense is even stronger than it was before he didn't play in week number one. So that's why I, I mean, say that. Do you think the Bears will be really be the turning point game, though? Like, do you think I'm not gonna say I'm saying this will be the game in which they could finally see what the offense could look like, and then usually, they the should annihilate the Bears. They should absolutely annihilate the Bears. That's why. So that's they why should. if they struggle against the Bears, that is a major red flag. They're if gonna they be struggled, at home. yes, that would be a big red flag, 100. percent I think I they should you. take care of business. I think that's that's gonna be my answer. They should take care of business, and then we'll we'll take the analysis from there how they actually play. Right, yeah. I, that my my own point is let's see who steps up and makes the big offensive plays for this team against Chicago because this is the game where you tr- finally find out who could be that next guy after tra- after Travis Kelsey that gets most of your receptions, uh, whether it's a, a wide receiver or maybe even a running back. Who knows? But this is a good game for you to find out who is that next best playmaker for your team against a team that's zero two and has given up a lot of points so far on the young season. And it got just absolutely torched by Mike Evans this past week against Tampa Bay. So I think for the Chiefs, you're one and one. Um, you could easily be two and zero, oh, and now you have a good opportunity to go to two and one and get good offensive numbers this week against Chicago. But All right, so uh, we'll, we'll go, go to the, the next, next game, game after that. Yep. So let's talk about the next game: uh, Tennessee Titans and Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers falling to 0-2, which should have been a gimme game versus the Titans, whose offense looked like absolute putrid throw-up, the worst offense you could imagine. And yet in overtime, the Chargers get a chance to score. They can't do it. I'm going to throw it out. Yeah, they go throw it out. Tennessee hits a field goal and wins it. Ryan Tannehill looked like an an elite quarterback. They, they, They could not stop him. The Chargers just infuriate me because their whole, you know, they hired a defensive head coach. They made all these signs of free agency, getting guys like Kalimak, JC Jackson, to name a few, as their defense, like as to fix this defense with guys like Joey Boso and Derwin James already there. And yet, the consistent problem for this team has been their defense. It's not on the Chargers' offense that they lost this game. Herbert threw for 302 touchdowns. They didn't have Austin Eckler, keep in mind, so they weren't able to run the football. But when you have Austin Eckler, you're able to get more offensive points. Look what happened in week number one against the Dolphins. They put up 34 points, and it could easily have won the game. Unfortunately, their defense gave up 36, and that's why they lost. This game, the same argument. 
They had a good offensive game. Yeah, Keenan Allen go for 111 yards and two TDs. But, like you said, they made Ryan Tannehill look really good. He went 20-24, 246 in the touchdown. Derrick Henry and Tannehill ran in for a touchdown as well. And the Titans were able to take advantage of the Chargers going three out in overtime and were able to kick the game-winning field goal to win a 27-24. So, I don't know. The Chargers are in a bad spot. We talked about it earlier in which they're playing the Vikings this upcoming week. Both teams are 0-2. You need a win to avoid an 0-3 start because, realistically, when was the last time an 0-3 team made the playoffs? Has an 0-3 team started uh, the year? They probably the have, but what it is, I'm not sure. I, don't, I couldn't have, tell you who it was. I'll have to look it up. Um, I'll have to look it up. I don't – I'm looking at it right now. The last time it happened was Houston, Texas in 2018. So it's been but, a couple of years, but it has but happened. Since the expand, NFL expansion in 1979, only six teams have made the playoffs after starting going three. So, so the numbers this, are not with those two. Chargers got to avoid it. Um, yeah. It's absolutely – I mean, Justin Herbert's look good, but, man – Staley's fighting for his job right now. The defense play horrible. They've been really bad. JC Jackson's looked like burnt toast. They gave him a, he, a lot he, of money. He is another example of someone leaving the Belichick cocoon to only you know flounder. There have been very few quarter um, players. I'm sorry, like I said, quarterbacks, and this Tom Brady is the exception, not the rule. Pretty much any player that leaves New England system just can't get together outside of Tom Brady. When you look at Nate Solder, when you look at J.C. Jackson, when you look at, um, uh, I'm trying to think of other guys over the years, um, offensive line, defensive line, cornerback, safety, wide receiver, running back, it doesn't matter the position. It seems like once we leave the Belichick cocoon, that's it. I'm thinking of guys like Chris Hogan, too. Um, wide receiver, that was great in that system. Leaves New England, can't do anything. Um I don't know. That just seems like you mentioned J.C. Jackson. He was so good in New England. Now all of a sudden, he can't do anything. It looks like Eli Apple out there. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we're going to talk about the Chargers and Vikings game and the mushing hour, but it's a big game because zero and three start. The, the numbers do not add up for your team trying to make the postseason after that. And the way the, that both of their defenses have played so far, we could be in for a shootout in that game. So. I don't know. Not wrong about that one. But we did have a shootout kind of in this game that I didn't expect to see in between the, the commanders and the and the Broncos. I expect the defense to be the factor in this one, but the offenses came to play in this one. Denver had a 21-3 lead. Unfortunately for them, it, it evaporated and they lose. But how about the ending of this game? Denver's down by eight. Russell Wilson throws up a prayer, throws up the Hail Mary, and they somehow get it caught for a touchdown off a couple tips, and he and Brandon Johnson of the Broncos comes down with the ball to t- make it a two-point game. Broncos fans are going wild. They have hope again after that play, and unfortunately, they don't get the two-point conversion. There was a missed PI call on the play, which unfortunately doesn't go their way. It happens Yeah, exactly. And the commanders took advantage of it, and they hanged on to win. They go to 2-0. Denver falls to 0-2. But there was a lot of bright spots for both of these teams. Sam Howell and Brian Robinson, they both looked really good. Howell threw for near 300 yards and two TDs. Brian Robinson had two rushing touchdowns. On the other side, for Denver, Russell Wilson got to admit so far, 
through two games under Sean Payton, has looked really good so far. Russ has with, cooked, I will he say. Has he has cooked, cooked so far to start the season. Also let the team in rushing, which is kind of a bit of a concern considering they're still trying to get Javante Williams you know, fully back from that ACL injury. Got to get so him integrated. Yeah, so it's still a long time for him. But I say this, Marvin Mims, the wide, rookie wide receiver out of Oklahoma, a guy I really liked in the he draft. He looked really good in this game. He had a big punt return, almost returned for a touchdown. Uh, he had 113 yards receiving and a touchdown. So Denver might have found themselves another new weapon for Russell Wilson as the season goes on. But unfortunately for them, their defense was the reason why they lost this game. And they now go to 0-2, and they also go into this upcoming weekend trying to avoid 0-3 start. But I don't know if you know their schedule, Andrew. They're playing the Dolphins this week. So... It's well, not I don't be think the Dolphins are that good, but we'll continue on. We'll talk about more about we'll talk about the Dolphins later on. Yeah, we will. That was our Sunday night game, but that was one of the wilder games that we had of the week. And I'll get into another wild one we had in just about a second. But before we get into that one, let's talk about this Cowboys and Jets game. A lot, not really much to discuss other than the fact that it's the first game without Rodgers after the injury. Um, unfortunately for the Jets, you kind of saw what we saw last season in which Zach Wilson struggled, did play a really good defense at Dallas. I can't really fault them for that. But I think the biggest thing that right now is an issue for the Jets is, is Sauce, is Sauce Gardner, what, what has happened to him for the first two weeks of the season? I mean, you know, he he looks like, I mean, you can call it sophomore slump, but to be honest, it looks like I, it. Don't, I don't think he was that good last year anyway. And, I wasn't that impressed by him. You know, I really didn't hype him up or gas him up because everything he looked, every play looked like P.I. Even last year, it looked like P.I. last year. And now right. that they're actually, he's under the microscope. They're saying he is a, you know, a superstar on the defensive side of the ball. Now he's under the microscope, so he can't get away with this stuff anymore. Like, obviously, he's not getting matched up all the time against the number ones, like guys like Stephon Diggs and Michael, uh, I was say Michael, uh, C.D. Lamb, who he's matched up against the first two weeks of the season. Not all the time he's being matched up against them, but most of the time he is. And we saw Diggs in week one had over 100 yards. CeeDee Lamb had 143 yards receiving. I think most of that came in the first half. So that's got to be a concern, certainly, for the Jets. But obviously the main concern right now is the offensive line still has not looked good. Uh, Zach Wilson struggled in this game. They didn't run the ball at all. And I think that's really weird considering – like let's put let's point out a fact, Andrew. Why did the Jets win that game against Buffalo? Their defense, and they were able to run the football. I think it was more of Josh Allen doesn't it's know cool. how to. Right, but they were able to run the football too. Brees Hall had a really solid game. Oh, absolutely, Brees Hall is the one I think Jets rookie that is very legit. I like him and, and Garrett Wilson. Right, and Garrett Wilson had a nice touchdown in this game too. Uh, a nice sixty-eight uh, yard receiving touchdown, but. When you only run the ball to, to you know, Dalvin Cook and him, Brees Hall had a combined eight carries. I, I understand you're losing, but you got to try to give your playmakers some, some you know, opportunity to I, run I, the football. Granted, they're running backs. You want to throw the ball so you save time on the clock in case it's not a completion, yada, yada. And with but... the back of quarterback, too, you got to gotta have you, – if you want to help Zach Wilson try to win you some games this season, you, you need get to space. take some of the pressure – you have to get some of the pressure off of him. Yeah, exactly. No, I agree 100%. You took the words right out of my mouth. And you're putting Zach Wilson, unfortunately, in a uh, position not to win from a gameplay standpoint. Right. Standpoint. He has a great defense. 
He has great playmakers around him, but your actual calling in game, you have to help him on that. You just can't spam the pass. It's not going to work. They're going to. Right, it's um, not a game of Madden. Yeah, it's not a game of Madden where it's going to work like that. You have to catch him off guard. So if you're looking, they're expecting a pass. You have to go for a run because that's where you get the easy yards. You can get four or five yards every single time. Uh, well, not right. every single time. But if a guy like Brees Holbo, more often than not, you'll probably get four or five yards. Well, I know you're not going to want to say it. I'll, I'll say it for the Jets fans. Big game this week against New England in MetLife. Obviously, your team is off to a, a you know an unfortunate start, and they Let's really need to. Later. Yeah, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. They also need to try to avoid a no three star like the other couple teams we've mentioned. But for the Jets, I mean, obviously, a bad, a tough loss here. Didn't really have much of a chance, and now you're going back home. You have you need Zach Wilson has to have a good game, and you need to run the football. I know, obviously, you don't want to see that, but that's what they need to do in order for them to have a chance the rest of the season. But this is just a case in point of they didn't really have a chance going into it, and they looked really worse even going out of it because of just how poorly they ran the football throughout most of this game and how C.D. Lamb just really torched up that defense. Now, Nick, I'll give you an opportunity for this, this next game. About You can talk Look, about the Giants and the Cardinals. You can go. I don't really have much to say. I, I will. This is I what will, I will say. I won't take up most, most time, but I'll, I'll make a quick point about it. You go ahead. Yeah, this, this is the only thing I have to say about Giants and uh, and Cardinals was you have a coach that can make adjustments in, at halftime now, which is huge because if Joe Judge was calling that game, you probably would have lost. We don't win that game nothing. now. You, you lose that game 45 nothing. You probably lose the Dallas game, you know, 60 nothing. Most likely. Or 56, 56 nothing, something crazy like that. So the positive is you have a coach that can make halftime adjustments, which is what you need in the NFL. The negative thing is you have, I would say, one-fifth of an offensive line. Yep. Daniel Jones looks like he can get a pass off maybe every second. He literally, I swear to God, it looked like he was getting the snap off and he was looking up and he was already getting pass rushed. Yeah. That's that's what it looked like to me. That's all I have to say about that. So I'll give you I'll I will turn over to the Giants fan now to give you the uh the honors of breaking this down. Well, going into the game, keep in mind they didn't have Andrew Thomas. And obviously we know the big impact of him on the field for this team. And not having him at left tackle was was a big reason why the Cardinals got a lot of pressures on him in the first half. Um Josh Azito, who's normally a guard, had to play tackle because our backup tackle was also injured. So we were going through it on, on Sunday. I'm going to tell you that for 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 sure. Um, what can I say about the first half? Nothing went right. Uh, Saquon dropped, or I shouldn't even say dropped. It had a ball go through his hands, get intercepted. He couldn't get the ball moving down the field offensively. Josh Dobbs was looking amazing. He looked like prime Dan Marino in the first half, and he even ran over Xavier McKinney for a touchdown. James Conner was beating us down in the rushing game. Couldn't stop him for whatever. Even in the second half, we couldn't stop him either. But Connor had a great game overall for the Cardinals at 106 yards and a touchdown. And you mentioned it. The second half, we had a lot of adjustments, which was good. I think a big reason was a couple of things. I shouldn't say big reason. There was a couple of reasons why it happened. I think Brian Dable was the one calling the plays in the second half. So I think that's not a good look for Mike Kafka. Um, who had a really good year last year for the Giants. But if that is the case, if Dable was the one calling the plays, obviously it looked really good in the second half because the Giants had five possessions and they scored on every single possession in the second half. And remember, 
They didn't get a single point against the Cowboys in their first game. Got shut out. And they got shut out through the first two quarters of this game. So they were getting it shut out 60 to nothing in their first six quarters of play. That's horrendous. Horrible for a team that had expectations to make the playoffs again. But some key notes for this game. Daniel Jones looked really good in the second half. I think he threw for 250 of his 321 in that second half. Had two touchdowns. Didn't have a turnover. 50 of his 59 rushing yards also came in the second half. Saquon had some good runs. They brought in Jalen Hyatt. He had a big-time catch to start off the second half. And I think you'll see a lot more Jalen Hyatt as the season goes on. And Waller had some good plays. Slayton had some good plays. Hodges had a receiving touchdown. The one that ties the game. The defense looked a little bit stronger in the second half. And I'll say this. I told you. I said even if they come back and win the game, I'm still not happy about it because – this is a game that you circle on your paper and say to yourselves, you know what, this is an easy win. We shouldn't have to sweat it as much. and We get our at least first or second win of the year. But they didn't make it easy for me. That's for sure. It got to the point where I had to switch to red zone and not watch the second half of this game. And sure enough, the Giants came back to win. So now I don't know if I can watch Giants games the rest of the season. I might just have to watch red zone for the rest of this entire NFL season in terms of the Giants. I'll have to see any scoring updates for the Giants on red zone. But I digress. They won the game. That's all that matters. Saquon did get injured and has a sprained ankle, which is a big blow for this team. He's going to be out three weeks. I know they keep saying he might play on Thursday. He's not going to play. I already know that for a fact. Saquon's going to be out the next three weeks. And the next three games for them are not easy games. They have the Niners this upcoming Thursday. Then I believe a Monday night football game against the Seahawks. And then they're going into Miami to play the Dolphins. And if Saquon is fully healthy, then he'll be his first game back will be at Buffalo on Sunday night football. So the Giants' next couple of games are not easy whatsoever. So if they're able to take two of those games, or at least take I shouldn't say two. If they're able to at least win one of those next three without Saquon, that would be big. Because then the second half of the season is where they're gonna have to make that big push to try to get into the postseason right now. Because I, I just don't see a scenario in which they win any of these games coming up. And now having Saquon against the Niners, and if they don't have Andrew Thomas against the Niners, <laughs> as much as I'm a fan, they don't have a chance in hell of winning this game. So Yeah, and you know what? Know. The Giants are – here's the thing. They're probably going to lose this week. Most likely. You know, just, but here's the thing. Uh, if they lose this week, you are on pace for the season you expected. So is that a, is that really a failure so far? So let, let them get healthy. Let's yeah. one get healthy, and then regroup after that. that that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I'm taking it on a week-to-week basis right now. I mean, like I said, I'm just happy they won the game because if we had lost, the season was already over then. You can't start 0-2. You could, you could start 0-2 and make the playoffs, but you can't start 0-2 when you get blown out on Sunday Night Football to start the year and then lose to a team that's willingly known to be tanking the season. So... I'll, no, give listen, the Cardinals, I'll give the Cardinals the credit. They have looked good throughout the first two weeks, have had a chance to win both games, have not done it. But, man, we should not be giving up, you know, touchdowns and stuff like that to James Conner and Josh Dobbs. It's just not a good look for this defense. Well, listen, listen, just regroup and come back next week, all right? I I will. Well, uh, we'll see. That's not, it's a short week, so can't really regroup too, uh, too long. you got to do it really quickly. All right, so the next game we have on the slate is Dolphins and Patriots. 
Uh, I'll let you will take say, this one. Yeah, all I will say is um, the, the way the game ended, it ended horrifically. That was clearly a first down. Cole Strange, the offensive lineman, got the first down. Everyone and their mother saw it. Chattanooga legend Cole Strange. Chattanooga legend Cole Strange. So the way it ended, they did not give the Patriots a chance. It was clearly, oh, this is because Roger Goodell has a narrative against Bill Belichick. He still does not like the Patriots. He does not like Bob Kraft. He wants them to lose. Now, what I will say is Mac Jones and the offensive line need to get more in sync. And by more in sync is the offensive line needs to block for him. He already has six sacks on the year. He has, on average, I think two and a half seconds in the pocket before he starts yeah. to pass. He does not have time, but despite all these shortcomings on the offensive line, he still put together two decent games. Right. I would even say is he's an above-average quarterback. If he was on a situation, if you put him in Miami right now, he's probably a top, looks like a top-five quarterback right now if he's thrown to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. I really do. Maybe, yeah. I, I really do. Listen, he is throwing with Kayshawn Booty, Kendrick Bourne, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, the darling of 2017. Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker. Those are his weapons. I know. Those are his weapons. If you even give him a true number one, you don't even have to give... If you even gave him someone like Scary Terry, they probably win both those games. I think another problem for your team is also their rush defense has not been good the first two weeks. No, they haven't been good the, the, the first two weeks. But what, what I will say, but, but besides Mac, the second bright spot is Christian Gonzalez. Right. He he's looks really like good. he looks like the front runner for defensive rookie of the year. He's been thrown into the fire. His first four two weeks in the league, league he's had to guard AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, um, Tyreek Hill, and Jalen Waddle, and he's done a damn good job. Where was right. Tyreek Hill all game? Five, I know he got a touchdown, but five receptions and 40 yards? Right, most of that, that game, that was it, was, your, it was mostly that, Waddle doing the work. Yeah, I mean, listen, so he has done a really good job. I think he is a top five uh, PFF rated rookie so far. So I have every rookie that was either drafted or undrafted, he's top five. Another top five I want to give a shout out to is Puka Nakua. Uh, and yeah, he's been really, really exciting to watch on the uh, on the Rams. But let's talk more about the Patriots. Christian Gonzalez looks like a huge bright spot. And to be honest, the secondary needs it when you lost someone like J.C. Jackson. I know he's been burnt toast over in Los Angeles, but when he was on the Patriots, he was rock solid. So he's been a great, uh, great addition to that defensive backfield. And listen, I think a couple of rookie wide receivers need to get better too, like Kayshawn Booty. If he could keep his feet inbound we probably win a game too so there's a lot of small little tweaks because the, the offense and defense is not broken but you just need improvements you need tweaks it's not like oh my god this is awful i can't watch this no you could watch it and be and, and you could see the improvements on a week-to-week basis um but what the problem is 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 that you'd have a couple of gaping holes which i don't think you can cover mid-season by trade but it can only be worked on for what you have. You have a young team. You have a young line. You have a young backfield. You have young receivers. So you could fix this by, let's say, week six or seven. But is this going to be something going forward? I hope it's uh, – I just hope they could fig- figure it out. Obviously, the Dolphins, they look okay, to be honest with you. If you're going to let the um, the Patriots wide receivers and tight ends almost beat you, and which they probably should have a shot to get in the end zone a couple times, but that was taken away from them. So it's something, you know, there is no such thing as a, uh, you almost beat them. It's either you beat them or you don't. So, but I guess we'll just never know what's going to happen in that game. But going forward, 
I expect the rematch to be a lot more gritty, especially because it's later in the year and these two teams will be seasoned. And hey, you could even see a game like 35, 31 or something like that. So positives for the Patriots and for the Dolphins. I mean, uh, Tua, if he could stay healthy, looks like an MVP front runner right now. So that's my take right. on that. And I think, and I told you about Christian Gonzalez when the Patriots had him. I said that was kind of a seal of a drip because that was a guy that was being considered to go where the Seahawks took Devin Witherspoon in the top five. So to get a guy that could be potentially be a top five pick at what was it pick number nineteen in the draft? I think it was seventeen or fifteen. Seventeen. Yeah. Seventeen. Either way, that's a great steal for this team that's been looking for a nice, you know, number one boundary corner. And so far, he's looked really good throughout the first two games. So that's definitely a bright spot. I will say to you though, when was the last time Belichick started zero two? Two thousand one. And what happened that year for New England? Oh man, they won a Super Bowl. So I, as much as I hate to say that, they did win a Super Bowl that year. So who knows? They could maybe get everything going right. And Sunday is a good opportunity to get everything going right. You're playing a Jets team that is right now dealing with quarterback issues once again. They haven't looked good off. They didn't look off good offensively their last game. It could really be a low scoring affair in MetLife Stadium between those two teams. But that's a good opportunity for New England to get that first win of the season, and get everything right back on track. All right, and the next two games we have here are our Monday night games. If anyone Ugh. who doesn't know, uh, ABC, because of the SAG after strike, the wide rider strike that is going on, will be broadcasting Monday night football because, hey, guess what? There's nothing to watch on TV, and it's right. gotten so bad that uh, The Rock and John Cena are now wrestling again. So <laughs> um, SAG after, uh, you've had a couple people, I don't want to say cross the picket line, but you have cracks in the uh, in the foundation here. So depending on how much longer that's going to go on, that's... Um, well. I will say for the rest of the season, no matter what, because of a strike, we're getting two games on Monday night. So ABC and ESPN will simultaneously broadcast games. So we're getting two Monday night games every single week now. Well, I will say I wish they didn't have the strike because no disrespect to this first game. Um, this game just was not it. <laughs> it just Save was not. It just was That's not a field goal. I, 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 I listen. I'll be honest. I watched more of the Browns and Steelers game than this game. Um. Saints hanged on and won by a field goal, even though the Panthers got a late touchdown. That's why it looks like that. They were able to cover, so that's good for anyone that took the Carolina Panthers in this game. Um, I think really noteworthy of this game is really the fact that the Saints lost Jamal Williams. He's going to be out. Obviously, he was Alvin Kamara's replacement. Kamara should be coming back soon. I think his suspension is out after week three, so he's coming back soon. So that's Good timing, at least, for the Saints there. Olave still looks like a beast for this offense. Yeah, he had an unbelievable uh, one-handed catch. Uh, Michael Thomas, not a terrible game. Same for Rashid Shaid. And then for the Panthers, I mean, Bryce Young's still going through the motions in his first two games. It's not been a great start for him. But his offensive line hasn't, really, hasn't really looked great throughout the first two weeks. Um, he's still also does not have a true number one wide receiver. I mean, he's throwing the guys like DJ Chark and Am Thielen as his number one guy. So it's not he's not going to have an opportunity early on to fix this issues. They couldn't run the ball with Miles Sanders. Realistically, he had fourteen for forty three. Do with Chuba Hubbard either. Yeah, Chuba Hubbard really didn't do much. Bryce mostly was the guy that was doing it for them on the on the ground. He had two carries for thirty four yards. But yeah, it's been it's a it's going to be it's a transition year for Carolina. Obviously, you're zero two. You still have your future court. You know you have your face in the franchise quarterback and young, but 
no one was expecting you to do that great. I think the only reason people were expecting you maybe to win this division is because it's so bad. And I'll be first proponent of that saying I that's the only reason I, I think you and I both took them because the division's so bad on paper that anyone realistically could win it. And guess what? Still can. Falcons, but no, no, no. It's only week two. Talk to me week five. Yeah, we'll see. Carolina, I think, is playing Seattle this week. I think I mentioned earlier, so won't be an easy game, especially going into Seattle. But who knows? Yeah, uh, and we talk about the. Uh, we spoke about that game. Let's talk about, I guess, the big outcome of unfortunately the. Uh, yeah, the biggest news uh, of the week. Man, I might, yeah, uh, big, unfortunately, the biggest news news of the week, and we hate to do it because Nick Chubb is such a stand up guy. Yeah. Uh, really, a, a locker room hero. Uh, having those off season committees with Saquon about running backs and how to change the position and how to get them paid uh their you know what they deserve at that position. He unfortunately suffered a knee injury. I don't think it's been disclosed yet, but it looked pretty horrific. So horrific like this... they didn't Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. So her- so horrific they didn't want to show it again on national broadcast, but when they showed it in the stadium you heard the reactions and that's all you yeah. hear. It was unfortunately the same knee that got injured when he was at Georgia. Yep. playing running back, and he got reconstructed. He comes back. Not only does he make it to the NFL after such a horrific injury, you know, I think he tore his uh, PCL, his MCL, and his UCL. Ends up being one of the top running backs in the league. I mean, this guy has been the benchmark of consistency, averaging over 5.3 yards per carry. I think this that's the best ever since Jim Brown. So he's been absolutely phenomenal the last five, six years in the, in the league, getting always around 12, 1300 um, rushing yards and eight to 12 touchdowns a year since I think 2018. So he's been the benchmark of the consistency on and off the field to see him go out in that horrific injury, which may unfortunately be a career ender for him. So we're hoping it's not, but um, I'm happy he got paid somewhat $36 million. He was in his last year of that deal, but it's just, you know what you you talk even talk about guys like Bo Jackson who had a uh, like a career ending injury, and even though they got paid, you when you talk when Bo talks about his career, he just wish he could have played more. He doesn't even care about the money. So we're hoping Nick Chubb makes a speedy recovery, and that we see him on the football field again next year. And I think from the Browns' perspective, think about this: this is a year in which a lot of Browns fans have been saying we're going to be losing a lot of players because of our salary cap issues, and. We might have to quote unquote go in, go all in, and try to win a Super Bowl. And your season kind of just went down the drain now with losing Nick Chubb. Let's put it in perspective: the Browns lose this game against the Steelers because of turnovers, and not having Nick Chubb is a big reason why those turnovers happen. Um, and now you don't have it for the rest of the year. Hopefully, it's not a career-ending injury because, like you said. This is an injury that he s- sustained in college, and it, and I remember the injury watching it. It looked gruesome. This looked even worse, and that was and that's it, that's I hate to say it, but that's even that's insane to think that that this is an even worse type of injury because of just this severity and how it happened. And now we don't know what his status is for next season or even the season after that. Who even knows? There's obviously. The main point is we want to see him get healthy and get back on the football field. But you said you said it best. He's one of the most stand-up guys in the league. He's not one of those running backs or any type of players that talks trash. He just he goes out on the field, he plays, and he you know he just does what he does best for the game. He's a top five running back for sure, 
top three, in my opinion. And now he's out for the rest of the season. And now the Browns, you could just see why they're one of the most cursed franchises in the game of the NFL. And just this, this right there. This is just a, a big example why they can't have nice things. Yeah, so uh, I guess on that somber note, we are going to head into week two. Uh, I'm sorry, week three of the mushing hour. Yep. Uh, where wins become losses and losses become wins, but mainly because we mush them. Yeah, um, we so, have had a really rough start to the NFL season. Yeah, NFL has been great. College has been a lot better for all of us, but hey, we're going to turn that around right now. We do rapid Hopefully. fire NFL. Um, we're starting off with the Giants at 49ers. Um, 49ers are 10-point favorites at home. The New York football Giants going into Santa Clara, and it is a 44-and-a-half point for the over and under. Grayson is taking Niners minus 7, so he's going to do a little bit tweak on that spread because he thinks he'll win, but they'll win by 7, but not anymore. I'm personally going 49ers minus 10. Sorry, Nick, I got to I gotta pick him. No, it's um, the Niners is if if there's any legit team in the NFL, I think it's the Niners right now. They look otherworldly on the offensive and defensive end. I think it's them and the Cowboys. I hate to say it, but the Cowboys looked really good the first two weeks too, offensively and defensively. So yeah, I, I would say I would def- I would say I would say Cowboys number two, of Niners number one. But yeah, they're yeah. very close together. Um, I I don't blame you at all. It's tough because the Giants go into this game without Saquon, most likely. And I don't know what the status of Evan um, Neal, even though Evan Neal hasn't looked great. But I don't know the status of Andrew Thomas right now. And that looms largely against a team like this and the Niners with their pass rushers. We saw what happened in week one against Dallas. This could potentially get even worse if they don't even have Andrew Thomas in this one. So with that all being said, I'm going to just say YOLO, Andrew. I'm not going to take the Giants' money line. I'm going to take them to cover this game because I can't pick against my team like that. But I can't take them. Every week. I just, I just can't um, willingly sit here and say to you, "Yes, the Giants are going to win this game. They're going to go into Santa Clara and shock the world." I think okay. they will keep it close. Um, I just don't, th- I just don't think they'll be able to get the win. But if they do get the win, <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know what to tell you. I guess we'll find out. All righty, Nick. We have our second game of the week right here. We have the Chargers going into Minnesota. Taking on the Vikings, it is a pick 'em. So no yep. points over here. It's just straight money line. Uh, over under fifty four and a half. Grayson thinks the Vikings are going to break that zero and two curse and you know get their first win, taking Vikings minus three. So tweak of the line right there. Give me Chargers money line. Uh, their head coach is fighting for his life right now. I think if he doesn't win this game, he gets fired. So if you're going to see uh, the Chargers win this game or Brandon Staley will get fired. So give me Chargers money line because those. Players, or they kind of know they're playing for their coach's life right now. And I think you just talked me into making my pick because I originally liked the Chargers, but I am going to go to the Vikings now. All right, so they want to see him get I, fired. You want to see a man lose his livelihood. They, gotcha. I, I don't want to necessarily be that guy and say, like, yeah, you know what, for the sake of the team, they need this guy to get fired. But that's exactly what's happening right now with the Chargers. They're not going to win with this like guy. The Yankees are and Boone. I didn't say it. You did. Oh, oh well, so, guilty. I, I, I think at the end of the, I, I most likely think the Chargers will win, but I think you just talked me into taking Minnesota for this game. So I'm just gonna take the Vikings. All righty, Justin then. Jefferson, 150 yards receiving. I'm gonna book that right now. 180 yards were on 15 catches, but no touchdowns. Sounds about right. 
the good old Julio so, Jones. Something like Hope that. Hope he's doing well. All right, we have the Bills going into the Commanders, going into that cursed football stadium. FedEx Field. FedEx <laughs> Field, oof, in Northern Virginia. Uh, Bills, six and a half point favorites on the road, over under slated at 44 and a half. Grayson is just taking Bills money line. Lazy pick, lazy, lazy, lazy pick over there. Um, where's the fun in that? Because we think we know the Bills are going to win, but pick the pick the points. Which I'm taking Bills minus six and six and a half. Uh, Washington had their Super Bowl last week, and they're going to be hungover. So give me Bills six and a half. Josh Allen gets back to form, or he tears his ACL on the cursed turf that is um oh, his God, FedEx Field. Buffalo fans will, will literally try to find you if you just. Absolutely. I'm just saying, man. QBs and QB injuries have happened there all the time. They do. Be surprising. They do. Um, I do think the Commanders will keep this close. I don't think it will be a blowout. I think Washington's got a good enough defense to keep it that close. But for my you own sake, I'm, what happened? You think Commander six and a half? No, I'm gonna take Bills my six and a half. All I'm right, still gonna take Buffalo my six and a half. But I, I could see, I could see a scenario which Washington. Keeps it close, and Buffalo wins a, like a last-second field goal. But the, the, that's the Commanders are going to stay in this game because of their defense. That's all it matters. That's all it really is. That Commander Tutty is the greatest uh, mascot of all time. <laughs> Commander Tutty. All right, go to the next one. All right, we have the Lions uh, at home. The Falcons going on the road to take on the Lions. So going into Detroit. Lions three and a half point favorites at home over under slated at 46 and a half. Grayson's taking the alternative spread of the Lions minus five and a half, getting some extra, extra money there. But I'm just going to stick with minus, Lions minus three and a half because I don't think the Falcons are going to travel well on the road. I like what uh, Dan Campbell is building there. I think they're going to defend their house and win by a touchdown. I'm not going to take it because they're giving me three and a half, even though I think they're going by seven. But since they're giving me three and a half, I'm going to take that straight up. I don't hate the pick at all. Um, I am str- I'm struggling with this game because I feel like the Falcons. The only way they'll stay in it is because they'll be able to run the football, and that's what's really been a key component of their first two wins of the season. Um, a question for me is: Can I see this game going over the total of forty six and a half? I think I'll lean. You know what? I'm going to take the over. I'll I'll, I'll talk myself into it. I'll, I I almost took Lions minus three and a half, but I don't want to fully mush Detroit this week. So I'll just take the points. I could see this being another high scoring game for these two teams because they are so two you're taking over forty six and a half. Yeah, I think these are two of the 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 you know the I would say two of the best young offenses we have in football right now, and I could see a lot of points being scored because their defenses are kind of iffy right now. So I could see a lot of points being scored. All right. Sounds good to me. The next game we have on here, the Patriots going into MetLife Stadium, taking on the Jets. So the Jets at home, Patriots minus three favorites on the road, over under at 36 and a half. Grayson's taking Patriots minus seven. I really wish he didn't do that. Um, <laughs> I'm taking Patriots money line because they don't spit against my team. Next oh, no. Game. So are you telling me that I, d- I determine your fate? Uh no, because Grayson took points and I took money line, so it's they, impossible to mush. But they that's still technically taking them to win. Uh I guess so. Listen, oh, they man. can win, but they can only win by five, so it's not a complete mush. It's thirty six and a half. That's such a low total for this game. Do I take the over for this game too? I think that mainly depends on how you think the Jets offense is gonna do, because I think the Patriots offense will score about twenty to twenty four points, so 
think they'll at least but put I, up 21. But I could, I could give you, I could really see a scenario in which the Jets say, you know what, we got to run the football this week because New England struggled against the run last week. And I could see the Jets taking advantage of that and trying to run the football in that scheme. You know what? Give me the over. I talked myself into it. We got two overs. All right. And let's talk about the next game now. We have the Sunday Pittsburgh Steelers going into Las Vegas in the beautiful uh, Allegiant Stadium. Yep. Allegiant Stadium taking on the former Oakland Raiders, now the Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders, two and a half point favorites at home, over under slated at 43 and a half. Grayson's going with Steelers' money line. He think they'll win out, right? I'm going with Steelers plus two and a half because I also think they'll win. But hey, if you're going to lose by one or two points, that's still a win in my book. So give me the points if you're going to. If it can give me that am, line. Am I crazy? Why are the Raiders the favorite in this game? I don't know. Um, probably because the Steelers offense hasn't looked good. Right, but I understand like I think like are they giving are they only giving them this the favorite because of the guy of Devontae Abs and Josh Jacobs? Like, is that really the only reason why Vegas is is a favorite? Probably. I don't like the reasoning for it. I I'm gonna I, I'm it's gonna be the first mush of the week. I'm gonna take the Steelers money line, so I don't like the Raiders right now. And it's I think not a Steelers... mush yet because I took Steelers plus two and a half, so not right. a mush. I, I I just think that the Steelers defense is going to be the reason why they win this game. I I would agree with you because it's going to be a defense heavy game, especially because it's a Josh McDaniels coach team who should be fired. However, yeah. I digress. Yeah. Okay, we have the Eagles going into Tampa Bay, taking on the Buccaneers and Baker Mayfield. The Eagles minus five point favorites on the road over under slate at 46 and a half. Grayson's taking Buccaneers plus five. So they think he's going to cover. Um, I personally am going to take Eagles minus five. So I'm going to fade Grayson here because I don't think the Buccaneers are real. Even though the Eagles are not real, the Buccaneers are less real. If that makes sense. It's kind of crazy that this is a matchup between two, two and O teams in the season. <laughs> yeah. No one, pe- no one penciled this in. Definitely. No one penciled that. Um, I'm going to go with you on this one as well. I will take the Eagles minus five as well. I think, I just don't trust Tampa Bay right now. They played the Vikings and the um, the Bears in the first two weeks of the season. Now you're facing an Eagles team that just went to the Super Bowl. I know they haven't looked good, but I think this is the week they finally look like that team that we saw last season. As much as I hate to say it, I think the Eagles get back on track. And it's even it's funny to say that they get back on track when they're two and zero, but. Eagles minus they, five. Yeah, I'm gonna go with minus five. I think they win this game by a touchdown. Okay, so it looks like uh, we've had a couple of a uh, couple of different opinions, but there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, no, so the next hour. Yeah, no, no, I don't think we'll have a trill mush here, which is good. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the final game we have, we have Cincinnati uh, at home, and we have the Rams visiting them, coming from Los Angeles. So we got the LA Rams visiting the Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati two and a half point favorites at home. 43 and a half is the slated over under. We still have Joe Burrow. That's a question mark, but it looks like Vegas is giving the sports books. Um, they're saying he's going to play. So I'll we'll go with Vegas well, on this. I will say about this game, the Bengals were originally were six point favorites, but with the Burrow injury, it went down to, to minus two and a half. So they did take three points off for, because of it. Yeah. They're just hedging. I think they're hedging themselves right now. They yeah. think he's going to play, but I guess we'll find out. Uh, Grayson's going Rams money line and the over. I'm going to stick with Bengals minus two and a half because I think Joe Barrow comes back and that line shifts back to minus four or minus five. Nick, the final pick of the bushing hour. Can I take Puka Nakua for eight receptions in this game? 
You could. I mean, <laughs> if you really don't want to pick anything, you want to pick a player prop, then sure. I'll give it to you. That might be the first time we've ever done a player prop, though, for this. For this. If it's a lock, if you think it's a lock, just put that in, I mean, then. He has a lot of catches to start the season. I, I have loved what he's been doing so far for the Rams. They break the record. No, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with the pick for this game. Uh, man, Burrow doesn't play. I really don't like their chances with Jake Browning. I guess the Rams defense too. I know they're not that used like what they used to be, but it's still pretty solid. I'll take Bengals minus two and a half. I think Burrow will play because just of the impact of where they're currently at. They need him to play this game, but I'm not very confident to take it. That I'll tell you that right now. So you're going to take Bengals minus two and a half. Yeah, I will take Bengals minus two and a half, but I'm not confident. Okay, Who he is not confident. Receptions, you all heard it here first. He is not confident about that. He's going to have two catches guaranteed now. Uh, that is not my fault because you you just mushed it. Okay. Exactly. Um, before we end up, <laughs> I do want to remind, remind the listeners that this Saturday, this September 23rd at the Holy Child Gym in Staten Island, New York, we have our next card show. That is the Holy Child Gym on Amboy Road, 4747 Amboy Road in Staten Island. Uh, kicks, cards, Funko Pops, uh, music, food, and more happening this Saturday, September 23rd, 9.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. at 4747 Amboy Road, Staten Island, New York. It's going to be a great time. You could see myself, Grayson, or Nick. Stop by, have a conversation, maybe even buy something. Who knows? Talk to the world of sports. It's all that matters. That's Absolutely. what we're here for. Should be a fun time this coming weekend with that show on Saturday and with the NFL on Sunday and on Monday, and also this upcoming Thursday, as I will probably be screaming at the top of my lungs for the Giants having a really tough night in Santa Clara. But you'll be able to hear me talk about that game on Saturday at the card show, which should be a great time overall, as you'll see most of the team here on the All Gas No Break Sports Show. But that's going to do it for this week's edition as we broke down the week number two NFL season. And now we go into week number three, seeing how the season will unfold and how these big-time injuries impact some of these teams as they move along in the season. We'll have to tune in and find out how it goes along. This has been Nicholas Mavara, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson with the All Gas No Break Sports Show. Have a great rest of your weekend, and see you on Saturday.